0: Good morning everyone and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. As you know our Minister Katrina is on leave for the next two weeks so we are delighted to welcome back to lead our worship Rebecca Sharp, Chaplain at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Thanks very much Rebecca, Um, Rebecca has one of the most I think difficult and draining jobs that you can do and so we're really grateful to her for making time to be with us and it's lovely to have Rebecca's father with us again too. We hope that you enjoy your time with us. Everything we need to follow the service today is on our printed order of service. Please stay and have a cup of tea or coffee at the end of this service.
1: Morning. 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 I don't normally use um, an iPad for notes and I've got a feeling I'm going to regret it so I'm just going to ask that you bear with me with that, Um, but it's so lovely to be back here again and to see um, some of you that are familiar to me and some that I maybe not met before or had the chance to chat to, so I'll look forward to catching up with you um, later on. But let let me read some scripture to you to open our service. This is from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. Because he has inclined his ear to me whenever I called upon him. The cords of death entangled me. The grip of the grave took hold of me. I came to grief and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray to you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord watches over the innocent, I was brought very low and he helped me. Turn again to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has treated you well. For you have rescued my life from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. Let's come together and sing our first hymn.
2: Forgiven love
1: For us all. Let's pray. We come to the Lord as we are, known by God and called by name. We come to you with our doubts and our fears, to a Lord who knows doubt and knows fear too. We come weary and weighed down to the Spirit who breathes new life into us and sends us on our way rejoicing. Let's in our own tongue say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us Once the kids leave, we're going to be looking at a Mark eight, which is a scripture where Jesus is asking his disciples, "Who do the people say I am, and who do you say I am?" But as believers now, in this this time, we're so fortunate that it's so easy for us to to, to have the words of Jesus in front of us, and and that's all I've been thinking about this week. Or I've been, whenever I've been trying to write a sermon, this is all that I keep coming back to, is that it is so, so easy for us to have it right in front of us. We've got the full picture, haven't we? We've got the start and the end of that part. We've got, we've got Jesus' life. We've got his death, his resurrection. And then we've also got all these other bits of, of information, all these interpretations, all these um, really helpful ways of understanding and I thought what would be really good for, for us as adults for later, but also for the kids, is, is think about how, how fortunate we are in comparison to the people who were hearing Jesus speak. Now I often think I would have loved, sorry, I often think I would have loved to have been there and heard him speak myself. I'm sure many of you who have been Christians for a long time often think the same, how good it would have been to hear his voice. But for many of the people that Jesus was speaking to, they maybe only heard him speak once. Or maybe they never heard him speak, but their aunties, uncles, sister in laws, cousin was the one who heard them speak. So, what I'd like to do is ask if any kids aren't too nervous or embarrassed, and I used to hate being asked up the front, but um, if anyone would like to come and join me and maybe help me with a little experiment. There's one wee boy that's smiling, I wonder if you'll maybe come up and help me. And maybe a couple of others, we we'll get a few of you up to give me a wee hand. You going to come and join me? Come on. (laughs) If you don't come and join me, I'll make the choir do it. (laughs) Will we make the choir do it? Yeah, look, people are nodding. (laughs) What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to whisper into Anne's ear and I'm going to ask Anne to then whisper into, I'm really sorry, I've forgotten your name, Joan. And we're going to keep doing that. And you'll probably remember the game. But what I want to see is, if by the time we maybe get to Paul, if Paul is saying the same thing that I said, because I think it'll be a really good experiment for us to see how easy or how hard it is when you've only heard something once to remember it. Shall we try it? See how we got Okay. Now, I'm not even remembering it. I'm reading it. (laughs) But let's try. But I do have a microphone on, so I'm going to take this off. (laughs) Don't late me so we say. Only heard someone speaking once to remember it to retain that information. So we'll see how they go. I maybe could have been a little bit nicer and made it a bit shorter, couldn't I? But I really wanted to—I really wanted to like run home with the the, the whole concept. just heard it, is that it? Are you sure? <laughs> Would you like to come and join us and tell everyone <laughs> what you heard? <laughs> I, better turn around to it.
3: Okay, I think I got uh, Jesus. Jesus came to the town of Bethsaida where there was a blind man. Uh, he spat on the ground and rubbed uh, on his eyes and the blind man was
1: able to see. Amazing. <laughs> so we got the gist of the story, but I did read the entire story, um, which is the story before ours, by the way, so I was trying to create a bit of context for us. Thank you so much for doing that. Really, it's hard to retain detail and lots of information when you've only heard it the once, you don't get it repeated, you can't press pause and rewind, you can't record it and watch it again. And I guess what I wanted to say to the kids is how fortunate we all are that we've got Sunday school teachers and people who want to invest in us and help us to learn about who Jesus is and can be to us. So what I really like to do is is pray for the Sunday school teachers and, um, and pray for the kids before we sing another hymn. Does that sound all right? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are to us and who you can be to us. And we thank you that, that people have been creative and found new ways and, and exciting ways of sharing the message of Jesus' life with us. So we pray for the people who invest in our young people and in our children. We pray for the people who who leave the service so that they can educate and support and encourage the kids. We ask for your blessing to be upon them, not just today, but as they continue to do this. But we also think of the kids in this church. We ask for your hand and your blessing to be on them. May their hearts be open to you. May they learn and love you.
3: Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 27. Mark 8, beginning at verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Jesus then began to teach his disciples. He taught them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He taught them that the elders would not accept him. The chief priests and the teachers of the law would not accept him either. He must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke clearly about this. Peter took Jesus to one side and began to scold him Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. He scolded Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about the things God cares about. Instead, you are thinking only about the things humans care about. Jesus called the crowd to him along with the disciples. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the good news will save it. Amen.
1: How good is an American accent, by the way? <laughs> you can really tell the story. I feel like it came to life, hearing you say it. Our passage, our passage is a Jesus asking, who do you say I am? And I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm often told not to be this honest, but I don't, I don't find preaching from the Gospels that easy. And, and I'm not saying that because I hope you caught not go. For someone doesn't find it easy, that went alright. Don't worry, Rebecca. That's that's not why I'm telling you. I'm I'm telling you that because when you're a Christian, the Gospels are kind of part of your DNA. It's very difficult to find a passage in, in in one of the Gospels that you haven't heard before, or you haven't heard preached before, or you haven't studied before. Or you know, it's it's part of us. It's it's. And I think that's why the Chinese whispers game went so well because. He's all knew the story, didn't you? You know, there's part of us where, where these things even if we couldn't say that's found in Mark chapter eight, verse thirty six, we would probably be able to work out that we've heard it before and it means something to us. So so for me, sometimes coming to these passages, I'm not coming here hoping to give you anything brand new. But I do hope that when when I'm I'm speaking that there might be something that resonates with you or something that encourages you. Um because I, I'm not going to pretend that it's going to be um, a total revelation. But our, our passage is found in a, a quite an f- action-packed chapter. We've just seen Jesus feed thousands and, and teach his disciples quite a lot, and then, of course, the miracle aim of, of healing the blind man to, to regain his sight. So there's a lot going on. But when it comes to our passage and it comes to this part of the passage where Jesus asks the question, who do the people say I am? I hope in the, the silly game that there was a sense of, yeah, that it kind of makes sense why you would ask that question. It, it kind of makes sense why he would, he would be putting that out there because if the disciples are around the people, they're serving the people food, they're going to be hearing the people talk. They're going to be picking up what's really going on? Because sometimes when you're standing up front and you're talking, and in in different professions you'll probably pick this up, um, sometimes people don't hear what you've said. I I know that um, when Stuart Blythe was my lecturer, I I spoke to him about um, a couple of aces, and he used to say, sometimes I don't think, sometimes I think, maybe I've not taught you what I think I've taught you. Because... (laughs) None of your essays match what I've been talking about for the last twelve weeks. So, so there really is a sense of of what what's the listener hearing? What what are we translating? I know I don't think anyone's going to start saying that Jesus wasn't a good teacher. That's definitely not the direction I'm going here. But but it's just worth being aware that on a on a on a some level, I think Jesus probably was wanting to make sure people were kind of keeping up or kind of starting to get glimpses of who he was and mentioned to you that I work in the hospital as a chaplain and um all week when I've been when I've, the last couple of weeks when I've been thinking about this passage I've been thinking about my experience in the hospital and and sometimes I get called into people who who have real spiritual distress who are really quite anxious or worried and don't understand what's going on. But a lot of that's down to bad communication. Uh, and, and when I was thinking of that, I thought, well, I don't really have a good example of it. And then on Friday, not that I think this is why Jesus put me in that place at that time, but it definitely seemed like something worth sharing. I was called to intensive care where um, a, a woman should be okay, but she might not be. And she felt like when she was, a, and she was a Christian woman and when she was asking the staff, am I going to die? No one would give her a straight answer. Now I know that's quite dark and quite heavy but that was her experience in that moment and, and very rarely will I stay in when a nurse comes in to talk because I don't think it's my place. But she asked me to stay. And at the end of it, I just felt so sorry for the patient and also quite sorry for the poor nurse who quite clearly didn't want to upset the person but wasn't giving her a straight answer, wasn't being clear. And it's very easy for us, and I don't want to go into the story because I don't want to start telling something I shouldn't, but but it's very easy for us to get caught up in bad communication. And so although I don't think Jesus thought he was communicating badly, I think it's something we can, just a wee snippet we can take from, from this is that it's really important that we ask people, are you hearing me? Are we on the same page? Are, are you picking this up? Do you see how significant this is? What does it mean to you? Otherwise we could end up in a situation where we think we're saying one thing and something else is being heard. But the people think he is someone special, don't they? They, they say a prophet who has come back. Maybe he's John the Baptist or maybe Elijah. Elijah. So the people understand, and although they don't know for sure yet who he is, they can see something really unique and special in him. But then he turns to his disciples and said, And who do you say I am? We can always rely on Peter to answer, can't we? Poor Peter. He gets such a hard time. But Peter's response is, you're the Messiah. They get it. They know But with that comes a huge responsibility that they're not quite grasping yet. When Jesus begins to explain in greater detail what's to come, I usually find it quite okay to read because we know how it ends. But can you imagine hearing that for the first time? Maybe it's the second or the third time, but can you imagine hearing that and thinking, surely not? Surely that's not what we have to endure. Surely we don't, because it won't make sense. And I'm not sure this is a good thing to admit to, but there's a part of me that can actually relate to Peter. Why would you want the person that you follow to suffer? Why would you want there to be an experience where things don't go your way? That's the human side of it, isn't it? Have any of you watched or seen or read the book, The Handmaid's Tale?, People are nodding. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> um, are any of you planning to watch it before I give you any spoilers? No, I don't recommend it. In one sense, I'm, I'm not standing here saying watch this program because you would think who on earth is this girl that's standing in front of us if you did. But the premise of the of the story is that the world is in crisis, and a fertility crisis. No one can have children, and um, and a group of people use a part of the Old Testament to justify a very extremist, very extremist new way of life where they kidnap all these women who can have babies and they rape them. And they have their children as their own. I think they use Joshua as their as their example. They are people who used God's word as a way of putting suffering on others for the greater good. Jesus isn't asking others to suffer first. Jesus is telling us he has to suffer. That's very different. It's very different. It's very different to be saying, so for my sake, you all have to go and suffer and you all have to have this really hard life. I'm going to be fine. And that's good, isn't it? I'll be fine. Don't you worry about me. Jesus isn't saying that. Jesus is saying, I have to be rejected, I have to be abused, I have to be the one that's beat up. And I am ultimately the one who will be sacrificed. Because that's the kind of God we worship. The God who sacrifices himself, not others. So although I can relate to Peter on a human level, when I take a step back and I see how gracious God is in choosing Even in his own fear or doubt, choosing that life for our sake doesn't make following him, it it makes following him that much easier. When God says, Who do you say I am? He's a self sacrifice. A self sacrificing God. Jesus calls back the crowd, which I think is quite interesting. First time I read it, I didn't actually pick that part up, but as I kept reading it, I remembered, and I you know when you kind of skim through things, you miss words. And I thought it was fascinating that he wasn't just telling his disciples the next part, but he was also telling the crowd. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That makes sense, doesn't it? After his sacrifice. After him. Because of him. For him. You can see why people might not get it. When they've not seen it happen. We're so so fortunate. That we have the full picture. In front of us. I guess when I was thinking about this passage. And thinking about how it related to me now. As well as. A congregation now. I just kept thinking. What would I say? What would my response be? If Jesus said to me, who do you say I am? And will you follow me? And I think my response has changed. Not just from reading this passage, but over, over the years. When I was a kid and I was very fortunate, I was brought up in church and I went to Sunday school like all of the kids are just now. and I think I would have found it really easy to answer that question. Someone I pray to, someone I sing about it'd been quite a simple understanding of his god as i grew up and and became someone who committed their life to jesus i, I guess i would have said he was my savior and then life got a little bit tricky and then life got a bit difficult and some bad things happened so so i'm left with who who do i say god is? For me, God is love. God is sacrifice. God is the greatest example of both. But who do you say God is? Who is God to you? Denying yourself as he has, as he has, what would your response be? I want you to think about that. I don't want to keep talking and talking and filling space with more words. I really want that to be something that you spend some time reflecting on. As the crowds gathered, they heard this for the first time. Without the context of what the disciples had. We're so fortunate that we hear it in the fuller context. So for us, how would we respond to the question? I've asked Paul to play um, the next hymn for a long period of time before we sing. So with the music in the background, I'd really like you to think about that question. And how it fits with you and your understanding of what Jesus has done for us. Father God, you ask us, who do you say I am? In our hearts we reply. We come to you, God, to pray for for those in our community. Who aren't with us this morning we pray for those who may be unwell or struggling emotionally or finding things too difficult we ask that you give them the strength and courage to keep going even when they feel weak and we pray for Katrina we pray for her in her time of leave May she be well rested. May she be re-energized. May you speak to her while she's away. (coughs) We ask for your blessing of peace upon her over her time off. Father God, we pray, we pray for our community We pray for the other churches in our community, neighboring Baptist churches and those of other denominations. May your blessing also be upon them. Father God, as a visitor here today, my prayer for others is for this congregation here this morning. What a blessing they are. What a blessing they have been to me. And I just ask that you continue to guide them in the AGM that's coming up and and all the big decisions that need to be made and things that need to be actioned. We just ask for your hand to be upon it. May you guide them. May your light, may your light show the path because this is a beautiful church a beautiful church family and we pray your blessing upon them in your company I'll go where your love and footsteps show thus I'll move and live and grow in you and you in me Amen we're going to uplift the offering now. Let's pray for the offering. Father God, as we give to the church, we give to you. We pray for that which has been given and in the use of it. We ask your blessing to be upon those who distribute it and who count it up and and who are involved with all of the, the financials. We thank you that that we can give back to you even just a small portion of all that you have given us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Let's stand to sing our final hymn. Oh. Guard your hearts in Christ Jesus and may he be with you, your family and all that you know as you go on into your week.